Hello and welcome to It's Not That Deep, where three siblings deliver a scalding expose of handism in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What do we mean by this, you ask? Well, you'll have to watch Endgame, then come back and find out. As the entire internet has been saying, it is a lot. It's three hours of things happening. So, um, <laughs> on that note... <laughs> Which is what The Hobbit was, but unlike The Hobbit, this is good. Baking hot take, Thomas. I mean, I think everyone agrees that The Hobbit films were kind of hot. Yeah, it's more of, I'd say, a lukewarm take. I was going to say it's a hot take to declare Endgame good this early in the podcast. Well, I'm not so much declaring it good as something, you know? It was the end of this Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is, you know, it was always going to be big. Even if it was a huge failure, it was always going to be huge. True. Unlike in The Hobbit, where nothing happened, something did happen <laughs> in yeah. this film. Yeah, which is, you know, like, not ex- you know, given the, the absolute, you know, hellscape of sequels and reboots we live in, that's still saying something. I um, hate that that's anyway. where the bar is, but... Yeah, so on that it. note, like, you two, um, can you please talk to me a little bit about your experiences and thoughts of the MCU and how you were coming into this film? Because I know that you had, like, you know, we all have our history with this universe and things that we wanted to see and things that we, have, you know, virulently hated. And um, I just kind of wanted to know what your expectations were and whether, um, you know, going in. So, going in... I I had tried not to sort of set too many expectations because I I thought, like, I don't want to be making all of these crazy theories and hyping it up for myself mm. too much or I'm just going to be disappointed by whatever we do get. Um, what I was hoping for was not for them to pull something basically out of their asses oh, that had, yeah. like, no precedent in anything that had happened before. I didn't want it to just be Captain Marvel fixes everything, mm. which is kind of what the ending of Infinity War suggested might happen with um, Nick Fury calling her and making it be like, is she going to just come in and kick Thanos' ass and that'll be it. Marvel X Machina. I was never under any illusion that they were going to keep half of their cast dead. Uh, <laughs> and I was fairly certain that there was going to be some kind of a time skip, though. And I was right about that. What about you, Claire? Okay, so much like Thomas, I've accepted for a long time that the MCU doesn't necessarily prioritise the character relationships that I care about and that because they're action films, they're never going to have those moments where the characters slow down and resolve things and talk through their drama that I would like to see. I am past the point where I'm disappointed by that and I tend to go into a Marvel film thinking... Maybe there will be some cool ideas that will inspire some fan fiction for me rather than this will be a satisfying film in itself. So like Thomas, I was setting the bar low. Um, I was expecting some character death. After Avengers um, Infinity War, I was feeling quite optimistic about them managing to juggle all their characters well because I felt that in Infinity War they juggled all their characters very Mm. well. Yeah, it was honestly incredible. I think I was actually quite satisfied with how they resolved it because I was afraid that either it would be, as Thomas said, some kind of ass pull that hadn't been foreshadowed or it would be 
way too predictable and it wouldn't surprise the audience at all. Instead, they used a well-established feature of the universe in an unexpected way. Um, I particularly thought that having Tony um, be the one who, you know, he had his Dark Knight of the Soul and said he wouldn't help, but then his genius bore one final fruit that did help them. That was a very nice conclusion to his arc. So, yeah, I think I was satisfied overall. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I if I had been you, I think I would have been pleasantly surprised by, like, the amount of feelings jams they managed to actually get in there. It was, to me, it felt quite feelingsy. Thing is... Marvel does have a fair few scenes of kind of characters slowing down and talking out their personal issues, but it's just not always the characters we want to see doing that. Um, Claire, I know what you're thinking about is that Steve <sighs> and Bucky, since since Bucky's redemption, have never basically had like an extended period of being able to just chill out and like recap yeah. what's going on. And that's so frustrating when Winter Soldier was one of the strongest films and was entirely built on their love for each other. But, you know, I, I accept. Really, they think I we already did a film about that. We don't need another one. <laughs> yeah, it was Civil War. They talked about a girl. Ah. Um, a, a character development that came out of left field that I really appreciated was Nebula. Um, mm. I felt like they and they packed her character development in um, in very efficiently. You know where um, where Tony is teaching her a game, and at first she's not good at the game, and she says, "Okay, I'd like to try again." And she, Tony is teaching her that now she is in a safe place where she can learn stuff, and it's just ah, and it shows that you don't need to devote a lot of time to do it successfully. Yeah, I um I would agree with that. Um, but before we get too far into the character. Can we just zoom out a little bit and talk about the structure and like the beginning, the middle, the end, our thoughts, yep. what what our impressions were about just mm -hmm. the like the bare bones of it mm -hmm. as a film? Yes, I think that's a good place to start. Um, I think in comparison to Infinity War, it was a bit looser in mm. its structure. When um, I said that I was impressed by how they balanced the characters in Infinity War, I don't think they did it as well in Endgame. No, I don't think so either. And the, thi the thing is, whereas Infinity War, it was action from the jump, then in this one, there was, like, honestly, the first hour or so, there wasn't that much fighting or action going on, except for that one confrontation with, with Thanos. Yeah. It was just the characters dealing with the aftermath of this horrible calamity where half of the people in the universe have been killed. And I, yeah, I liked. Yes, I thought that was brilliant, honestly. I thought it was very bold of them. Um, and also that, that fight with Thanos was barely even an action scene because it was it was, ba it was more of a dialogue than yeah, it was a I mean, fight. He, he didn't exactly they resist death, did he? Real difficulty because he, he'd done what he set out to do. Well, no, he was off to like retire on his farm. Farmer boy, Thanos, with his he banjo and his mule. I don't know. Um, so I was late to the cinema, lol, for reasons that I won't bore our listeners with. Um, and uh, I sat down and finally, you know, sat down with my bubble tea in my chair, enjoying I the film. Bubble tea. You can't go and see a film without without a beverage, man. I thought you were going to say you can't see a film without bubbles. You absolutely can. It was a long, it was a long ride. I didn't want to become dehydrated. Um, but anyway, um, so and so by the time I actually got in there, I, it was just coming up to the end of that bit you described with Nebula and Tony, 
where she was he was teaching her that game. So can you just tell me what happened at the, at the, at right. the beginning? Ooh, Thomas. Thomas, do you want to tell her what happened? I do want to tell her what happens because it's something that as soon as I saw a clip from it in the trailer, I thought, oh, I think I know what's going to happen here. Um, it opens on Clint, Hawkeye, um, teaching one of his daughters how to shoot the bow and arrow and we see her get a bullseye and he's congratulating her. And His um, family's preparing a barbecue and his wife and children are there. His and... family's having hot dogs. Everything's so lovely and... And then he sort of goes to retrieve the arrow from the target and turns around and there's some ashes floating where his daughter was. And he looks back over to the table and there's no one there. And he's like, guys, all right, where did you go? And sort of starts jogging off to see where they've gone. And that's oh, holy that shit. And it's like, no, oh, please, and please they, stop doing they this. And they milked it. Like, we had a full couple of minutes of happy domesticity that they milked because we all knew how it was going to end. And you were asking about... Yeah, we, we could all see this You were asking about coming. structure. I liked that because, you know, so often superhero films set up very high stakes and then they don't show you the aftermath to convince you that those stakes were high. I liked that they just devoted a ton of time to and this is how it sucks and even going and chopping off Thanos' head won't fix it and we, f- we failed to prevent this and we failed to even avenge it and five years of just yeah i like them a bit more on structure i think i i really like the sort of turning center point of the film was all of them setting off on their time travel journey into the past to get the stones and it was it was interesting having the film that was more structured around the characters gradually getting back together coping with their grief, starting to put together a recovery plan and actually just beginning to execute on their plan by the time the sort of midway point of the film mm. rolled around. I don't know if it was exactly in the middle time-wise, but it definitely yeah. felt like it was in the middle but that in terms was, of pacing. Yeah. And also just to see characters, um, instead of instead of just reacting to a villain doing something, they they said, we're going to do something. They went out and started planning their time heist. I was just going to agree with um, Thomas about seeing heroes be active rather than reactive for once. It almost feels more heroic that instead of the heroes just responding to a crisis, they're, you know, they're actually after the end of the story, but they decided for themselves that that wasn't an acceptable ending and that they would continue trying. I liked also, I have to say, given the amount of like films that exist in this thing now, that the the final film of it was like one long throwback into the previous films. I think just from like a obviously it's not up there with like eclipse. Yeah, exactly. And it obviously it's not up there with like eclipse episode in terms of like reusing gags from previous, you know, like in terms of obviously it didn't save them anything in terms of budget, but for people who had followed the universe the whole way through, it was nice that it wasn't like a whole new villain in a whole, you know, it was somewhat Mm. intended to be a big throwback. Well, it didn't feel like they were using the clips and the throwbacks in a lazy way, like, oh, we're just going to reshoot the Battle of New York because we can't think of anything else. They were combining some nostalgia with... And I I really enjoyed seeing in particular the immediate aftermath of the battle and all the admin that had to happen because that's been the subject of so many fanfics, but it's something we don't normally see in in the film. Mm. It was was fun having them comment, come on, these guys are clearly bad guys. How did none of you know that these were bad guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, a slight digression, 
but um, I loved the elevator scene too. Yep. Claire, I, I honestly thought that he was going to beat them all up again, mm. and I was living for that. But it's also a testament to his character development that he figured out the way out of it. Yes, some actual He was like, oh, this time I don't have to punch my way out. I can just yeah. and then pretend lol. to be a Nazi. <laughs> so props that they managed to slightly fix the whole Hail Hydra comic arc debut. Um, and then the, the flip side of that is that when he then meets the younger, naiver, more brute force version of him, he's like, oh, for fuck's like, sake. For fuck's sake. <laughs> if our listeners don't know about the um, comic Hail Hydra bit, you are very fortunate. You Google it if you want, but don't if you don't. Okay, so it seems like we're moving slightly into, with talking about Steve, into our favourite topic of them all, characterization. Well, you know what they say. Um, good characters can carry a bad plot, but a bad characters can't carry... A good plot can't carry bad characters. Ye boy, because otherwise you don't yeah. care. Um, so, so let's let's. I know that Marvel is big and ugly enough to take as much criticism as and vitriol as we could ever throw at them. But let's be nice and start with what we liked. So I'll go first. Natasha Nebula. We already talked a bit about Nebula, but those two, like, I literally could not have asked for more from them. Please, yep. I haven't even seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but I was just so there for Nebula and Gamora's whole, um, like, relationship. It's nice to seeing... see sisters. I know, and also... Yeah, it really yeah, is. Yeah, they like, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, I mean, even even the most functional sisterly relationship has elements of that to it, you know? <laughs> um, that rivalry, You know, just yeah. right, and, like, also, like, pride as well it's like it's not and and then you know they move past it but it's just you know it felt very like blood is thicker than water and very i don't know i i liked that whole aspect of the film and i feel like even though it was only one facet then it kind of stood for itself so thomas i think you and i both really like character arcs about the rehabilitation of the character who has no idea how to eth- ethically just function. say julius grief right yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. For me, it's Julius Grief in Alex Ryder, who I wish had had a better arc, who was, you know, raised as a weapon and um, physically altered with surgery and basically is Nebula, but with a worse arc. For you, it's Flowey in um, yes. Undertale. Uh, I am I am a hopeless Undertale stan. Um, so, yeah, I'm very much a fan of, like, Nebula. And it's it's interesting because even in Infinity War, Nebula wasn't really a sort of redeemed character like she wasn't a totally good person Mm -mm. it was more just that she now had a personal grudge against Thanos for what he'd done to her but like this one with that scene with Tony teaching her the um, little sort of football game like that was her kind of becoming just gaining a sort of moral sense or an idea of how to be a sort of social being or something Mm. I very much like that I really liked that you know, when Thanos' line was, oh, maybe I was too harsh on your daughter, and that was what provoked Thor to cut his head off. Like, the idea that Thanos thinks he has the luxury to sit there and introspect over bits that he could have done better and worse and express regret and ask for forgiveness as though there was any nuance in what he'd done. I felt so angry when he started thinking, hmm, maybe I was a bit abusive and I'm capable of feeling regret about that when I murdered trillions including my own other own daughter (laughs) 
if if you want to do self reflection, that's great. But don't expect me to to stand around not beheading you. <laughs> well, you get on with it. One thing we I'm going to shit on Thanos later because I think he's a bad character, excellent, and badly written. But one thing I will say strengthens his character at the start is that like once he's finished his goal, he's done, and he yeah. destroys the stones because he thinks they'll just be a temptation, and he like barely even fights like that's just it for him yeah and that makes him a bit stronger however he's still like really bad as a villain for a lot of reasons mm. they um, did succeed in making me hate him in that scene though i was like oh look at you living all peacefully with your like picking your fruit with your own hands but you know there is also some a uh, problematic element in that portrayal that i guess we'll get back to when is he said lol we can go. We can dive do, in do now. Now is, now is probably the time. Is the Let's time get into our conspiracy theories. <laughs> I, I have a whole thing like prepared about my problem with Thanos. Go, can go, I be free. I, I release you from your from your chains. Thomas Unchained. Here we go. I think that he is a straw man for environmentalists mm. because he's like saying, "Oh, there's this terrible, terrible." lack of resources and poverty and it always destroys civilizations and it destroyed mine and so the only solution Culling. is genocide of 50% of the population. This just um, in, Greenpeace members would murder us all if they could. Yeah, mm. so that's the thing. Here, here on Earth, what with climate change, like we are currently staring down the barrel, God help us, of like a very similar situation to what happened to Thanos' planet. And I think by presenting the only character who really seems to consider solving this sort of a problem as a genocidal villain, then Marvel and Disney are kind of, by extension, just suggesting that any serious approach to trying to stop, like, social collapse or, like, the end of civilization is evil. And, like, if we suggest something like banning all plastic packaging or seriously restricting air travel... Any like loss of, like, personal freedom will, at all. ...that we will have to do. or Yeah, like, any sacrifice, like Tony says, of quote-unquote precious liberties in order to, like, stop us all from dying and civilization from collapsing. Like, I, it's just unfair that Thanos is, like, the only, the only character who's thinking of anything... Yeah and that he's such an awful, awful person. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I think it's, I mean, I mean, people have, if you just type in environmentalist antagonist into Google, you will find many people who've written about this very eloquently. But it's just... I'm glad I'm not... Yeah, no, but it's, I feel like it's almost it, a parody. Though. Like, in that, literally, there's a moment where Steve says... The oceans are a lot cleaner now. Yay! And then Natasha says, stop looking like, on the bright side. Great, I'm so you're aligning... Yeah. Pollution bad, same as genocide good, apparently. I if mean, only we had I, nuance in our I films. I loved Black Panther, but still, mm. let's bear in mind that they chose to make the villain someone who thinks anti-black racism is a problem. There is a, a trend of progressive equals villainous here. Mm. <laughs> uh, a couple more examples that I can cite. Kylo Ren from Star Wars, who's like, we need to tear down the old system but also that means killing everyone who participates this in world it. isn't perfect and, um <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah literally 
that fuzzy sketch. Exactly. <laughs> I if wish only, that I could, I could purge this world and rebuild and it in my image. Am I the only one seeing um, that? <laughs> yeah. The um probably the best and most tastefully done one is Luke Castellan from the Percy Jackson series. Yeah. The reason that that one's a bit better is because the series ends with the surviving heroes going, okay, actually this guy had a point and we need mm. to make some serious changes well, to That's stop. why Black Panther's okay yeah, as well. Yeah, that's why Black Panther's all right and Percy Jackson all right is because they have the heroes understanding the point that the villains had. Mm. First, the villains had a point rather than Thanos, who literally, like, his argument makes no sense. And secondly, the heroes took it into account when they were solving the yeah. problem. Yeah. Well, so he, like, he, yeah, and like Claire, you said, like, so, yeah, it's the thing my, of the lack of, lack of nuance is the problem. Like, he just, as you say, like, he kills half the animals as well. And it's like, <laughs> nonsensical. Um, Whereas if you, if you think about how, you know, the first people to die from climate change will be the people in the poorest countries, whereas Thanos presumably killed half of all billionaires, then... Yeah, yeah, it starts yeah. to, like, basically... Um, yeah, it's like, oh, it's... the. I can think of so many other examples as well. It's like that character from, um, what's it called? Um, Kingsman? Um, the, oh, yeah, the Aquaman oh, villain. Yeah. Like... Literally, it's kind of a. It's like the, honestly, slightly terrifying there. how many there are. The thing is that uh, Kingsman ends with all of the people who were wealthy and in power and had their plans to like wait out the apocalypse they were causing, having their heads exploded in sync. Mm. So like, that's pretty dark and grim, but like, it also um has an admirable commitment to the concept of eating the rich, I suppose. Yeah, the head that blow up the heads of the rich. Blow <laughs> um, the heads of the rich. I'm going to apply for an investment banking internship in 10 years and this clip will get played and I'll be like, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, that, that was a joke for legal purposes. Well. <laughs> the flaw with the Kingsman guy was he saw that there was a problem and he decided to protect, you know, the people most responsible for the problem. But, yeah. like, coming back to... Do you know to that me- Mitchell and Webb sketch where they're saying, have, should we try simulating what happens if we just kill all the poor people? <laughs> That's basically what the guy in Kingsman Lol. does. Too real, too real. Um, but coming back to the scene where we see Thanos' retirement plan and you feel so angry because of the, you know, the peacefulness of the way he's living and his hypocrisy given what he's done. But it is also saying, you know those, those hippies who live in little sustainable farming communes and pick their own fruit and eat How it? How evil of them. Definitely perpetrators of genocide. Yeah, that's what they want. They all really want. If they had the Infinity Stones, then they would snap away your life in an instant, which is why you should buy more tickets to the next and 25 And buy more Audis as well. Anyone notice all the Audis in that film? <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. Um, moving on, back, you know, this has been a scaldingly hot political take and I'm here for it. But let's talk a bit more about the heteros. I was going to say yes. we've been very harsh about Thanos for a long time and it's not fair because there's lots of other characters yep. to be harsh about. Yep, yep, yep. Who do you want to head to, uh, lampoon next, guys? Um, shall I let you loose on Steve? Yes, I would like to lampoon Steve. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Claire. Go off. <laughs> off please, she please, goes. I'm, release the hounds. I'm champing <laughs> at the bit here. Okay, so when I was talking about Marvel not prioritising the relationships I would care about, you might have thought that I was talking about how they do not yeah. make Steve and Bucky important enough. You were wrong. I was talking about that and also them not making Steve and Sam 
or even Steve and Tony important enough. So, and it's it's this prioritization of heterosexual love over either potential gay romances or friendships that Steve at this point has known all his 21st century friends for much longer than he knew mm. Peggy Which Carter. Which was like four years And he's most. known Bucky for longer mm. than any of them. Yes, and, and at the time when he went into the ice, he'd shared one kiss with Peggy. They hadn't even decided to have a relationship together. And yet we're supposed to believe that the happiest ending for him is to go back in time and live with Peggy, this woman, instead of with any of his new friends who he spent years fighting besides. And I just can't yeah. buy it. I honestly think that e- even not considering relationships, I think that the culture shock and having to adjust back to the mid 20th century life would be just mm. as difficult because all of the stuff he knows, like, getting by without the internet and without like into without like globalized food <laughs> and like and the blood stuff, pressure again. of like racism and nuclear war and you know there's no more vaccines how many exotic like 21st century diseases is he taking back with him think of the economy <laughs> and don't forget he's he's living at the cutting edge mm, of technology yeah. he's got stark tech so like i i just don't think that he'd be able to happily live out his life in the past again it also makes a mess of the time travel rules they established, but that's a separate. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so, I mean, if you truly loved someone, I think you would be prepared to give up your, like, iPad to, like, date them. I concede that, and my trash, like, mm. hetero feelings were, you know, peaked by him finally getting his dance. But I don't think, and I think it was, like, a neat and fun trick to play with the time travel device. Like, I wasn't expecting it, and then, and then when it happened, I was like, Oh shit! You know, I think all of those things are my defenses for it, but I still do agree. In his wider arc, it is bullshit. Yep. The trouble is, Steve's whole arc has been about you know his tragedy of being the man out of time, and he's been gradually building towards learning to deal with what's being what's been happening to him. And when he formed true friends in Sam and Natasha, then that was him moving forward. When he said to Natasha at the end of um, Avengers Age of Ultron, oh, stability, marriage, the man who wanted that went to the ice and I think that someone else yeah. came out. That's implying that he's moved on. Having having Bucky magically frozen and come forward was portrayed as already being the magical wish fulfilment that he got it all Also, he got to visit Peggy in the nursing home. Like, do we forget what happened? Yeah, yeah. He buried her and she she told him to start over. And now they're saying he can't he, he can't learn, he can only go back. And if he's incapable of learning, I think he was a candidate for the old chop-chop sacrifice. Mm. Yeah, the whole thing don't make no dang sense. Yeah, and it's yeah, exactly. I think that's In the short. thing. It kind of it kind of like lol jokes all of his like the the agony he's gone through to make his peace with this situation throughout the rest of the film. Not to mention condemning Bucky to the fate that, yeah. that he woke up in the 21st century, realised he had no one. Now he's willing to do that to his so-called best friend. Yeah, the best friend who, like, is only back as a functioning member of society because, like, Steve himself went through all the effort of redeeming him. It's like, you're not gone. 
and bring you back so that we can be together as friends again in the 21st century, except we can't because I've decided... I think it was also because he was, a you know, being a super soldier and probably even a life without Steve is better than being the Winter Soldier, but... Yeah, but, like... Probably, I mean, yes! (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yes, so our father, who (laughs) normally does not get pop culture, but but occasionally has these moments of dazzling insight about it, suggested a fix-it to this. Would you like yeah, to Yeah, go on it? then. I really would. What if uh, Bucky and maybe Sam as well realised that Steve could never be happy in the 21st century and that they had to let him go? And it was them who either deliberately sent him back to Peggy's time or at least told him, Steve, it's okay, go. Because then rather than Steve selfishly taking this happy ending and abandoning his friends it would be his friends making the sacrifice to let him go and i think that would have been a bit more satisfying yeah i um some people have even theorized that bucky knew that was what was going on theory schmeary you know what would have been a really <laughs> um, satisfying ending is bucky and steve making out that would have been truly satisfying uh there is a theory that i've seen bounced around that because of the way that um, uh, Bucky said, um, you're, you're taking all of the stupid with you in, on this last time travel trip. Like, that was his way of saying goodbye, and he knew he wouldn't be seeing Steve for a long mm, time. Come on. Like, for a long time. They're Steve's good friends, not telepathic. But, like, the telepathic yeah, twins. Like, I'm not sure if I believe in that. Um, also, did Steve choose to just live quietly with Peggy while somewhere in a basement Bucky was being That's what by I was going to say! It's all fucked up. A lot of like a lot of bad things happened after World War Two, and apparently Steve just like laid low and skipped. Just all like of them. I don't know, making breakfast in bed for Peggy Carter. I mean, yeah, some of those some of those bad I things mean, even happened to Americans. <laughs> I mean, I do understand that you know heroes get to get to retire. You know, he can eventually decide. I'm hanging up the shield, it's someone else's turn. So I'm not saying that just because he has the power of time travel, he has to fix every bad thing in the past that he knows about. That would be impossible. Yeah. But yeah, Bucky that. is his best friend. Okay, so I feel like I'm not quite as invested in that, and so I wasn't as bothered by it. You know, I kind of was like, oh, look at him, cute, handing over the shield. That was my gut reaction. My gut reaction wasn't, what the fuck are you doing, you selfish prick? So I'm just, I know that I, you two disagree with me on this, but actually, like... My gut reaction was different from yours. Right, thing is, I think Claire's, Claire, it sounds like your gut reaction was it was, like, upsetting you in the moment. Whereas mine was like, ah, like, no, this no, is this cute. is all wrong. Whereas Izzy's was like, ah, this is cute. And for me, honestly, I was kind of in the middle because it just felt emotionally dead to me. It was just kind of vaguely comical to see him just suddenly be an old man and hand over the shield to Sam. I was like, what? Is this like a joke? <laughs> it did feel a bit a like a joke, tank? to be fair. To be clear, I liked Steve handing over the shield. Yes, I'm more than I agree did like that, that Steve deserves a break. I think that it's time for him to retire as Captain America and that Sam would make a great Captain America. But in that context, I mean. I just don't think he should have gone back in time. I think he should have learned to live happily in the present with and take Bucky up like return to yeah him against all the, the two odds. of them could like take up competitive like fucking horticulture or something together and like forget i thought you were gonna say competitive <laughs> fucking and i was like okay. <laughs> of course you did Jeez, Claire, get your mind out <laughs> okay we're gonna drag this this out of the rut that it's 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 gone into um 
Uh, moving on to I'm moving on to Bruce Banner. Moving on. Okay. And then can we do Clintasha? Let's do them as a big unit because we're going to start with we're going to start with the Hulk, and then we're going to say what's so great about the Hulk. Also, is that in this film, he and Natasha have no romantic relationship whatsoever. Yes, thank God they oh, yeah. finally given up we're on free. that. Joss Whedon uh. has been laid to rest. <laughs> he even said, didn't he even say that Thor helped him more than Natasha did? Did he oh. say that? Did did he? I don't. Yeah, he remember. did. Yeah, he I did. Yeah, he did. He did. Ah, uh, dang. Yes. I mean, okay, so I feel like he was somewhat played for laughs in this movie, but I can forgive them for it because he did loads of other cool shit. I mean, he is basically like Shrek, so <sighs> I can understand them needing to kind of make it a bit goofy. There was a lot of very Shrek physicality in that shot of Thanos picking his fruits. It really did look Yes! Shrek. Oh my god! <laughs> a moment while we all reflect on that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, the dab. The dab and the Fortnite. I like the idea that like maybe Earth culture just froze or even regressed a little bit after the snap. So like Fortnite and dabbing are still cool oh, man. in two thousand twenty. People are too sad to create new memes. I mean, like there's probably going to be new, no new video games being developed in a few years after half of all people die. But coming back to coming back to Bruce, what did you guys think about the fact that he just stays hulking out all the time? Um, is it feels? I I feel as though like it kind of doesn't feel like he's actually learned to live at peace with like all the difficulties of being the Hulk. Because basically, now now the only like problem he has is a uh, physical, I guess you could call it like deformity or quirk, which is that he's really big and there's not actually any like Hulk anger issues mm. in his character anymore. So it's more like he just managed to delete all the bad stuff of the Hulk except the size and strength, which isn't really the same as being at peace with his inner like, conflict. Yeah, it issues. seemed like he wasn't really the Hulk anymore. He was just like the rock. Bruce Banner, but yeah. Wouldn't it have been better to see a Bruce who was like visibly angry and semi-permanently hulked out all the time, but directing his anger better? And that would have the message that anger isn't necessarily bad if it's in self-defense and post-snap it would make sense to be powered by anger all the time. So I think I like the idea in principle of Hulk and Bruce combining because I've I've read stuff that the Hulk is like a manifestation of Bruce's anger because of the way his father physically abused abused him and it's his desire to protect himself and how the Hulk... Well, no, that just hit me really attacks. hard in the feels, guys. Ah, okay, continue. So that the Hulk very rarely attacks unless um, unless he's attacked first. And I think a lot of people have fear that they feel like they're not allowed to be angry and they're not allowed to protect themselves with anger and even with violence. But actually, if, say, you're being abused or the military is attacking you for no reason, it's not a bad thing to have that well of anger inside you that tells you you're worthy of protection mm. and so seeing bruce harness that anger would have been great instead it seemed like he just tamed the hulk yeah i think what they were going for was probably quite similar to what you just said but they they just they kind of like played it for laughs rather than playing it seriously i wonder if it was just that they didn't want to have to muck around with figuring out how to make him angry when he needed to be the hulk 
So they were just like, let's just make you have them a very out. good. That is a very time. good point, Thomas. And I feel like now that you say that, I do think about it, and I do think of the amount of moving parts in this movie, and think, imagine if we'd had the hulking out as an option in all this, and then I think I have a migraine, and that is a thought process <laughs> that I'm yeah. sure the Russo brothers had as well. Um, but like, when you think how Clint basically hulked out for that's two years, true. Okay, okay, we're saving the Clint fuckery for next chapter. Um, why why not just let let Bruce like storm around barely speaking constantly angry and yet not attacking his friends and designing tech have the hulk be dominant now because Bruce is great and I like him uh Anyway, yeah. well, this is not the time to discuss my crush on Mark Ruffalo. This is the time to pay respects to the following sidelined babes. I'm reading this off the document now. Who was sidelined that shouldn't have been? Nikia. Yeah. T'Challa. Shuri. But where was Nikia? She wasn't even dusted. Where was she? Yeah, she just like blooming. I don't know, like dicking around Nobody over the over the ocean, like looking at fault lines and stuff. Nobody can afford Lupita since us came out. Um, who else? Uh, l- 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 the worst. All, all kind of the guardians. Bucky, obviously. You see, I'm okay with um, uh, Star Lord being sidelined. He didn't do that yeah. much. Falcon was snapped, but I'd still have liked to see more of him. Oh yeah, Falcon. Mm. Yeah, more of Steve missing him. Valkyrie yeah. again. I f- I feel like she was okay. Um, I would have liked to have seen Jane in a reprise. Hasn't Natalie Portman like refused to be in the franchise? Oh well, okay, good on her. I, I mean, don't blame she her. Fuck she kind of outright refused because she was there. She was in the film. True. But they, they went and got the Aether out of her and had to like some new cup on her and shit. But only for like one scene. How much did they pay? Her A well? non sidelined babe, given how Frigga was fridged in Thor the Dark World and everyone was angry about mm. it, I was actually really happy to see Thor get some closure with her. Yeah. And that it acknowledged mm. that his relationship with her was important. Yeah, yeah. I think that was one of the only like good bits of the whole thing, the clusterfuck that was Thor, um, was him getting to like have that closure with his mum that, you know, and acknowledge how how much that had affected him. Um is now like the time to argue about towards Thor. the Thor's course. The Thor's course and the <laughs> Clint course. Um, the disc course. Uh, yeah. Which and one also, we're doing okay, first, one more, it? one more, one more point was I did enjoy the banter. I feel like there was a good amount of banter considering what a serious film it was. Like the strategizing that bit with the tacos, like. Oh, I, I loved um, Nata- who was it as well as Natasha who was like flopped Ant-Man. on the desk and Ant Man, yeah, Scott, Scott and Natasha like ten hours into trying to figure out how to track down the Infinity Stones, like lying on the desk with clipboards and stuff. Yeah, that I liked fun. that they kind of lampshaded how wild it was that they were all in New York at the same time. Yeah, they lampshaded it, and then also they like, it, but it was also useful for plot. All of the yes. shenanigans, like when they revisit the New York fight, oh, yeah. just so, Loki, so clever. Loki pretending to be Captain America, then Hulk, Captain America Hulk being, being so that... angry about stairs. I warned okay, you about stairs, bro. Uh, oh, it's a Homestuck. I'm bro. sorry. Yeah, it has been one there. minute since our last Homestuck incident. <laughs> um, you can take the easy out of the um, Homestuck, but you can't take the Homestuck. Speaking out of, of Natasha, oh, before I we... just want to say one thing. Um, Thomas hadn't noticed this, and I was wondering if you had Claire that her hair, she's just like let herself go, and that her hair is growing out. Her hair was very year eleven. That means freshman year for those of you listening from America. It was very, it was very a person who was blonde when their world imploded and then couldn't. 
Yes, yes. I think that actually makes sense. She was. She like, had least... depression hair. Also, I think that previous films, Natasha would never have either lain on the desk or eaten peanut butter sandwiches. Mm. Yeah, you're very right about that. Tony's arc. One thing that I wanted to say, you know how I was complaining about how um, high stakes are never really high because they never deal with the fallout and how we never see character interactions? Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I liked how we saw him really go for Steve over how he said Ultron was necessary and Steve ignored him and how everyone always puts it on Tony to have a clue or a plan and no, he doesn't. That was a real emotional moment of, of bitterness and the fallout of their quarrel that we so rarely well, see. Also, like, I very much agree with Tony saying, like, this is why we needed to accept, like, some loss of our perfect vision or, like, liberty or stuff so that we would have been ready for things like Thanos, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Because Steve, Steve's whole thing is never compromising on anything, saying, no, we, we don't, don't trade, trade lives, lives and all that stuff. Whereas Tony was like, no, we should have been ready to trade something to stop this from happening. Thomas, so, like, please repeat your iconic line about what you would do if you were in Wonder's place. If I were in Wonder's place... I don't remember what my iconic line was, except probably I would kill Vision without a second thought. I would kill Vision for a slice of quiche, I believe, was the phrase. <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> I said that. I like Vision! I did pre- just... I stand by it. I would kill Vision for a slice I'd of kill, quiche. I'd Same. kill that remark for a slice of quiche. Oh, come on. Vision's not that interesting. <laughs> I like I like her robot boyfriend. That might just be you and robots, Izzy, and something you need to work out. <laughs> Lol. Yay, for once we are kink-shaming, not me. I just feel like (laughs) trading someone's life for a slice of quiche is unnecessarily harsh. Bold of you to call it a life when he's a robot. Bold of you to, anyway, we're moving moving away from the robots are human, if they seem human debate, and into the Thor fuckering. Yes. Go. Okay, so like, I think it wasn't, it wasn't like all bad. It could have been handled with more grace, but, like, Thor has lost literally everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I suppose he still has, like, his people as in, like, subjects, but he doesn't really have any friends or family anymore. And, like, seeing him basically hit his lowest point was quite an interesting place to take the character. And seeing I, it played for laughs. Yeah, seeing it played for laughs, not so much. Like, there's this scene where... Like, he's trying to recap, like, what happened with the Aether so that they can go and retrieve it using time travel. And, like, every bit of the story that he brings up is just, like, another association to a painful memory for him. Mm. And, like, I sometimes do have the thing where I'm, I realise I've accidentally let, like, one concept get tainted by association to another thing. And, like, oh, this is a really difficult thing I don't think I'll be able to do, so now things relating to it are also difficult, and now I hate hearing about it. And, like, that is such a serious and sad situation, but it was kind of like, ha-ha, look, he's having a breakdown, he's wearing fingerless gloves, he's fat. Mm-hmm. And, it, especially, ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, like, uh, he's fat. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't God. feel we can gloss over that. Yeah, it's like all these perfect superheroes with six packs, and then there's one guy who's fat, and it's like, like okay, he he didn't like suddenly get skinny for the final battle, but also it's not like they're going to sell any chubby Thor toys off us because that would be like no, 
No one wants a chubby action like, figure. When they, when they zoomed out and he'd taken off his shirt and it was like, boom, reveal, we've put a belly on this incredibly <laughs> muscular actor and everyone in the cinema was cracking oh, up and Thor was kind of snivelling and drinking beer and it's like, oh, isn't it hilarious that this traditionally ripped superhero character is now fat also, and I'm yeah, it was very it was very it was very not classy and also the other thing that I kind of hate is people obviously are very aware now of the thing of oh unrealistic body expectations for women but if you did drink as much beer as Thor has drunk the whole way through the series you would not be able to maintain the six pack he does unless you were living an extremely unpleasant lifestyle of like bulimic level exercise and yep. and and so like why are we you know what what kind of I know we are literally living in a in a hero fantasy land but literally are we living in a hero fantasy land yeah I mean like, yes, what's actually changed about his lifestyle to make him get fat when he was never fat before like when when yeah. he was a spoiled prince oh but he's sad now and you know that sad mm. people are fat especially if they're also funny yeah anyway I mean okay yeah fat shaming Thor not here for it. Ugh. And also, and also, just like I know that I know that it was a heavy film in other respects, but I think that they could have played Thor's arc a little less for laughs. Like when when he was like yep. halfway through the mission, going, "Oh, I just remembered there's some great wine in the cellar that I have to go and get." And Rocket was like telling him to pull himself together. I was like, like this could be a serious like look at grief or substance abuse or like depression, and instead it's mm. like trying to be that while also having its case and eating it by the end of the joke. Though I did like that Rocket actually yeah. called him on it. You know, it was so frustrating to me that at the end of um, of Infinity War, um, Star-Lord's personal grief was what caused everything. Whereas in this one, Rocket was like, you can't let your personal grief ruin everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But- I feel that. Yeah, I just I liked, yeah I I really liked where they'd taken Thor before, and I did not. Like yeah, it. and I and I think they could have. It, it wouldn't have required that many changes to have made it really actually fine. I mean, to be to be clear, I would love to have more fat superheroes. I feel like in a way, fat people are like the last minority, except they're not the last because there's still other minorities. But like, you know, there's there's zero fat representation where there is at least some representation women of, and minorities you know women and minority characters a fat superhero is still unthinkable so i was actually glad to see him you know in the final battle as a fat person the only, yeah yeah we could have got there in so many classier ways the only thing i could like almost think of is maui and moana but like he's he's mm. sort of towing the line between like a fat character and just a bit like huge character so like, yeah. Oh, I do love Maui. I do yeah, love Maui. Now that you've said that, I'm off, about to go off on a and Maui. Like, like, it would make so much thing. sense to have like a fat superhero because the, pe- the people who are like best at dynamic strength as opposed to just like deadlifting or something, or, like weights, like are bulky. And Vikings are often portrayed as fat. Thor could have been yeah, fat from could've. day one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why can that be a thing? Me. Maybe maybe he could have got thin because he was sad. Ooh, and then poor Chris Hemsworth could have eaten something besides steamed chicken <laughs> breast for the last ten years. Uh, oh, anyway, okay, so this war fuckery we have discussed. Moving on to part two, the Clint fuckery. 
The clean course. <laughs> like we, we kind of are just making course. our way Pardon. down the list of characters and ripping them all to bits. I feel like I love just it. Given given how given Shock. that on balance, I actually did like the film with trashing it a lot. We're about to get to the Clintasha arrangement. We, we, yeah, we love like dollops of happiness on a bed of ripped apart cannon, <laughs> seasoned with lots of salt. Yeah. That's what we serve yeah. on this, this not is, that deep. This is salted caramel, except it's caramel drizzled rock salt instead. The clink course, the clink course. Okay, okay, so why do, what is his justification that just because his family died, now nobody else gets to live? And also, why are all the people he is killing Asian? Are there any, um, like, Asian characters in the Avengers lineup? No! no. Well, there's the Asian-coded <laughs> alien. Okay, hello. There's Dr. Doctor Cho in Avengers Ultra. Yeah, there's one. She's dead now. But he, like, does one thing in, Doctors, in um, Infinity War. Okay. What actually was Clint's reason or justification for what he, he was, was doing? Like, he was it. like, my family died and all these bad people didn't, so now I'm going to kill all these bad people, essentially. And why am I supposed I, to sympathise with... I think with- what, what he was doing was it, it was it was like people and gangs and organised crime that was taking advantage of the post-snap chaos to like advance their uh, own Specifically. Those were okay. the people he was targeting, I'm pretty sure. He said, uh, uh, they got Thanos okay. to get me. But still, like, just murdering a whole bunch of, like, faceless, nameless ex- extras. It's like, how about this thing called justice yeah, just, yeah. and due process? Oh, I mean, Ever even, like, it? hand them into the, like, heckin'... I mean, okay, I know... And uh, basically, I just feel like it was, like, definitely... I'm just not really cool with the whole like mass murder as a method of coping with grief thing. Nope. And then it's and then Natasha dismisses it as I don't judge people by their worst mistakes. It's not a mistake. Like, he it's did mass it murder. way too many times for it to be a mistake. Um, yeah, a mistake implies like some level of like. Here I go uh, coming again. And intentionally, you know, not like not knowing what you're doing. Whereas he went into it like quite clear eyed, you know. So Clint is supposed to be a hero, right? I hate the implication that his good behaviour and not murdering people was only based on him being personally happy with a family that he liked. And as soon as his family's gone, he sees no reason to commit unethical actions on everyone else. If you're a hero, then you should continue to be ethical even if your family's gone. So how am I supposed to root for him as well, a exactly. when he And I'll tell out. you who he was reminding me of so much was Kingpin. Um, so the character, a character in, um, in Spider-Verse who um, basically commits atrocities in order to get his dead family back. And I know the cause and effect here is not so clear, but it's, a, you know, it's, it's dicing with similar morally great areas. It was it was just so unnecessary. Like he could have he could have just, you know, wandered off into the woods by himself, maybe even being a bit of a vigilante and just not taking care of himself and still being in the same despair. He didn't have to be committing mass murder. Yeah, like literally he could have he could have been, you know, like I don't know, doing a Spider Man and handing up in like sedated, trussed up like parcels or criminals to the police. Or if if you'd even seen him just like picking off single like 
really bad criminals rather than like mowing his way through an mm. entire gang, some of whom are just like people. Probably like, like know, coke runners and you know, people. in a terrible home situation, whatever. Like Natasha found him when he just got done like killing one really horrible criminal mastermind. Yeah, and let's compare it to that great scene, which is actually one of the only Britasha-ish scenes that I enjoy, at the beginning of the first Avengers film, where Bruce is in Calcutta helping people as a barefoot doctor or whatever, and then Natasha appears and is like, we need you to be the Hulk. And he's like, ah shit, not sure I'm about that life. And and it's so, it feels like a genuine sort of moral debate that they're having. So this could have paralleled yeah, that. In a in a kind of cool and interesting way. Whereas instead it was just like Clint being a dark angel of doom and Natasha being, you know, a bright angel of hope. So the other thing is because Clint and Natasha are like the two darkest Avengers with the shadiest pasts, I feel like Clint had already grown past that way of coping and learned that it didn't work yeah. and to see him just go back to it. Yeah, it's slightly... I mean, I mean, I guess it's the point is it's regression, but... So it's kind of, it's annoying. Again, it's annoying in the same way that the full, the full course, the force course is annoying because it was almost quite good. And then it just missed the mark. He could have been doing heroin in an alley. Yeah, yeah, why not? Just, and we'd have got yeah. the same despair and hopelessness without the hurting just others. Just wasn't really necessary. Indeed. But then the thing that was good that came out of that was the development finally of the bromance that Clint and Natasha have always said. They hinted it in... Avengers, and I've wanted it ever since, and finally, finally, they did yeah, it like in um, like when they said we're a long way from Budapest, and I was like, <sighs> yes, 2012 throwbacks. The Avengers all live in the town. I'm together. always a sucker for the oh no, please let me be the one to sacrifice myself. No, I need to sacrifice oh, myself. Yeah. Can I just say, I really actually did think one of them was going to survive because they made such a meal out of them stopping each other again you mean and again. Both, both of them, yeah. Right? And I thought it would have been a. Yeah, that the, the, sorry, that both of them were going to survive because both of them willingly threw themselves off the cliff and made the sacrifice. And I thought that it would have been a nice message that once you're over the cliff and you've proven yourself willing to sacrifice, then you get the soul stone. And that would have shown, like, the power of love can win and would have been a nice hope point to lead us into the climax. Yeah. But instead one of them died. Yeah, I agree. I I agree. And I also, I just felt like it wasn't fair that Natasha died after everything she's been through. Clint, if if Clint had died there, then it would have been like interesting because I, I mean, what's he sort of supposed to do once he has his family back? Like he's still just a super duper serial killer. It might almost have been like the best thing for his character for him to die there so that he wouldn't have to go yeah. through readjustment afterwards. He'd so die here and like redeem himself. Okay, not to be not to be a humorless feminist on main, but why does Natasha the woman Thank you for saying it so I didn't have to <laughs> have to sacrifice herself when Clint is the one who actually needs to atone. Yeah, I agree. It it went too quickly for me to be sure. Was her corpse sexy? Like, was, yes. Did I didn't she see. die and then have a really sexy corpse at the bottom of the cliff? Slightly, slightly. Okay. It wasn't quite doing the boobs and butt pose, but it like, was getting. It was getting there. It was edging towards it. Her face weren't. Messed yeah, up. yeah, yeah. She was a bit of a sexy. Yeah, I remember being annoyed by that in the cinema. Actually, I think because they was one one thing that made it slightly looser 
than um, Infinity War was how many ways they were split because they were going on like six individual um like five, yeah six individual like missions at one point and like I remember we would cut back to like one group of characters and I'd be like damn are they still there because like so yeah, much else has especially to those guys actually that like wow you really haven't gotten any further from like when you arrived on that planet an hour ago. <laughs> Uh, the third act, I think, was probably the strongest. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I liked the slowness of the first act. I think, I think the first act was necessary in order to like dwell on the actual ramifications of the previous film, and I'm glad that they did that. Yes, because those ramifications were pretty huge, which leads me on to the fact that actually maybe they could have dwelled on those ramifications a bit more. Will somebody please think about the economy? Right. I think society would have broken down way past the point of having nice granite memorials to the fallen because when you get rid of half a system at random, it runs at less than half capacity. I thought of trying to use Europe after the Black Death as like a point of reference for trying to imagine how how like it would go down after half a minute. That, that was, was one third, third of the population of, of Europe died. But they didn't all die at once, which is a big difference. It was not in the snap of the fingers, it was in like the bite of several also, hundred million rats. Yeah, also when the Black Death happened, there weren't as many things to go wrong as there are in like the global economy now. Like ev- everyone everyone was closer to like sources of production than a lot of people in especially in concentrated population areas are now. Like basically, the population of every city in the world post snap is done for. Hey, and Thomas, do you want to tell us what would happen yeah, after they Yeah, so there's the, the thing. Even if society had managed to scrape itself back together to the point of, like, erecting memorials and having food supply chains sort of operating again within five years, then for what, what happens in the film is after five years of half of people being dead, they manage to bring that half back again. So now, considering all the people who die of other causes immediately after the snap, the world population suddenly more than doubles again when the snap is reversed. And I think this means instant global famine and most of those people die. Instant famine. Instant famine. Instant famine. It's a famine. And Thanos just floats by like, I told you so. And we're like, it doesn't count if the population doubles in an instant. You You know what I would love to see? Tony Stark... And, you know, it said, in the event that I die but the mission succeeds, I donate my billions to the Let's Not Fuck It Up Again fund. Mm. You know, I'll read that, the heck out of that fanfiction. I feel as though Tony Stark, like, probably billions would stop actually being a functional concept. Yeah, global... He probably did. But yeah, global hyperinflation when you've suddenly got double the money but half the economy. Hey boy. He's like, hey boy. Give, given hey boy. how much money is like emotional, then if half the people mm. creating that idea of money die, then like, does the idea survive? To, or does like currency mm. just stop being something anyone cares about? Why did Marvel not think this would make a great film? <laughs> I mean, like... you wouldn't be able to solve it with like a huge fight of faceless monsters versus every superhero for the last 10 years at the end. Well, we need to talk about Tony. What did you guys think of, like, his final sacrifice and death and all that stuff? It was fine. 
you know, I knew it was probably going to happen. Tony's always been the centre of the universe. I thought it was kind of a bit harsh that Steve failed to move on and got magically rewarded for it and Tony finally successfully moved on, finally proved once and for all that he's moved from selfish to totally selfless and died His death was kind of written. I feel like it kind of had to happen, but like... Yeah, like it's not necessarily bad to kill a character that it's very sad yeah, to no, kill. I but like alongside Steve, Steve it's die, irritating. Steve, also, we need we need to talk about the handedism, guys. It's messed up. Oh yeah, so, we like, did promise we would. Thanos, Infinity Gauntlet. He's evil. He's a villain. He wears it on his left hand, and um, the heroic Infinity Gauntlet goes on the right hand. Guess which one is... Yeah. Oh. Coincidence? I think, I think not. No, yeah, literally. Okay, this is this is the expose that the masses were promised. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously I know that as like a left-handed person, that like, I'm fine. <laughs> it's not like I have ever been discriminated against in my life apart from teachers telling me off for smudging my work occasionally. Um, but at the same time, it's just a bit like, oh, why? I, <laughs> like, I think why? In, in film, like, it does go pretty deep. And like in media, um, I watched a video about it ages ago. The only example I can think of now is that um, Superman's hair is parted, like, as if it was brushed out with a right hand. And Clark Kent, like the nerdy alter ego, has it brushed, like, left-handed ways. Even like even stuff like which way things move across the screen, like in at the beginning of the social network when the guy's just got dumped and is about to go back to his room and write like an IXC breakup journal, he walks home to his dorm room, right to left across the stream the, the screen. Did you guys like um Tony's conversation with his dad in the past? Yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, I thought that was like one of the more interesting things to do with the time travel. So, again, it was an example of them actually dealing with an emotional thing that they kept hinting at before, but sort of didn't really yeah. get into mm. it. I mean, even, like, in Civil War, then he's, like, did that whole super expensive, like, virtual reality thing to try and have a better conversation with his dad and also his mum, but never mind. Um, and, like, then he finally got to have that conversation and Steve got to have his dance yeah. and stuff like that. So I guess it's, like... Yeah, Wish fulfillment. little moments of closure, um, you know, and I feel like that was, you know, there were some very, like, satisfying moments in it. Oh, um, can we talk but, about um, Sam's voice flickering back in on Steve's, like, earpiece? That was, that was sick. When Steve is ready to go and fight Thanos your left. with half a shield all by himself. And he doesn't like, think every anyone's coming to save him, but he's still ready to fight. And then people do come to save him. Boy, I died. And I was happy that it was... And they let Sam be the one to speak first. They let him be important. Ah, a, a surprising uh, number of people are important, given how many there are. There, there's been so there's been a lot of work put into it. Like, I mean, even down to, like, the film craft level, I feel like the special effects were good. And, like, you know, there was a lot of really... The Russos have action down. Yeah, like, the action choreography was, like... You know that one bit where Captain Marvel is just fist-fighting Thanos to try and stop him snapping his fingers again? Yep. Like, just the amount... I could, like, feel the impact of each blow. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. 
good at, lots of good acting considering hair. the amount of green screening that must have gone into that there was good acting so like some of the costume design was good you didn't like especially the time travel stuff was quite fun thomas didn't like the time travel suits though yeah you, did you? i just didn't think they were as good as the regular ones they were just awkwardly like bulky and they were coloured like that hallway that Thor criticised in <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. There's like only a handful of people knew the plot of this film. I think it's safe to say that most of the people acting in it didn't know the full story. And like for some, for some scenes, way of doing they have to like sell their performance without even knowing what person they're fighting, and they will do that very well. Tom mm. Holland is a treasure. As it's always. amazing. As always, the father-son dynamic between him and Tony, I live for it. Um, and then and then, just, like, in terms of, like, visual comedy, locations, there's just, like, a lot to enjoy. It's, like, a sensationally just, like, a very good film. Though some of the music yeah, transitions were a bit I felt odd. Like Thomas said that as well. Going from, like, yeah. a contemplative look at the desolation of a post-snap world to upbeat pop song where the Avengers compound. I was like, ah, what just happened? It was nice to see Star-Lord singing along to his music from oh, an outside God, that perspective. Was good, yeah. Funny, that was, that was hilarious. <laughs> also, I, uh, I like Tony's stuff so with his daughter as well. Morgan, is it? Um, when, when he's like, there's a lot of serious joke going on here. It was it was cute, and I think it was you know they they let those they let those things happen, which was fun. Okay. I'm scrolling. We have a Google Doc with our notes. I'm breaking the fourth wall and telling you what goes on behind the scenes. Backstage, it's not that deep. And I'm thinking that we have covered most shit. So um, any any things that I've missed? Any things that you've missed? I'll say I think maybe I'm coming down so hard on the time travel being poorly explained because, like, just no hit is strong enough to satisfy my cravings now that Homestuck is over. Yep, home, this walked so after Homestuck ran, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, so does just removing an Infinity Stone cause a timeline to split? And in that case, why didn't destroying the stones, like, cause the time to stop? And, like, do the timelines merge again when you take the stone back? So now is Loki, like, released? Or, like, how did Captain America get back into his timeline if he changed stuff yeah. or if he didn't? Like, what's that? Everything's weird. Yeah, yeah, and what's that, like, what's that, like, Loki doing, like, fucking around in some alternate, like, br- like splinter timeline with the Tesseract? <laughs> like, I need answers! <laughs> so, so, overall, like, one good thing, one bad thing. What did you think? One good thing, they pulled it off. Like, they made... Yeah, we can we, we can sigh made, relief. They made the landing. They made a satisfying conclusion, and now I think I can stop caring about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like you think that I, that that sounds harsher than it is, but I kind of just want to give it a rest and maybe try and focus on getting invested in like less corporate, the controlled, like mega company media from now on. Mm. Um, one bad thing they were never going to be able to, like, prioritise all the characters and relationships and people and things that I was most interested in. And that's okay. Sure thing. Okay, for me, one bad thing... Five bad um, things. I think the bad thing... Ten bad things. Now, I'm going to do the bad thing first and then the good thing. Prioritising Steve's flash-in-the-pan romance over all his solid friendships and deleting his character arc... 
um, but a good thing Nebula yes. and pulling her out of left field to suddenly be a really, really relevant character with a solid arc who they made us care about with a real economy yeah. of scenes. I only wish that we could have seen her interact with Rocket and Bucky more because their arcs are so similar and I'd love to see that. Ah, no, I see. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with both of those. Imagine being Peggy and then Steve just turns up like, hi, I possibly fractured the timeline for you. I'm here forever now. Like a little lost Labrador Are you retriever. ready to break up with your husband and make your children <laughs> Yeah, and he, she's just like, hi. <laughs> you realise, like, I just want to make it clear, when I kissed you, like, we were chasing a plane in a car it, hormones were running high. Yeah. There was a lot going on, you know. Yeah. Also, I know you, like, imprinted on me, like, some kind of, like, duckling <laughs> when you came <laughs> out of that, like, lab tube, but, you know, test tube. That's what it's called. Based on actual real-life uh, Haley, what's her name's reaction to seeing Seven <laughs> shirtless, it was Peggy who imprinted on Steve. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, that's that fair. Moment, but still... Um, Izzy, okay. what about you? One bad, one thing, bad thing, um, lack of, um, lack of Shuri. Um, I feel like she should have oh, been yeah. helping with the time machine after being established as like a genius uh, for one film, good. but we never got to see her, you know. Um, I, oh, another good I was, thing. There was so much roadie. I really liked how much oh, there was. there was a lot of roadie. Yeah. Um, I was going to say my good thing. My good thing Sorry. was, um, oh no, I can't even think of anything. I'm sure there was good stuff. Maybe. <laughs> um, okay, good thing, good thing, good thing. Um, there was a lot of good visual comedy. Oh, I know what the good thing is. There is um, a really nice um, sea, sea, seascape location, which is called New Asgard. And it looks like Cornwall, but it's actually Western Scotland because I looked it up and it is lush. And I like that they had the scene there, even though it was very minor. I deadass thought that they were filming at our grandparents' I know! Me too! It was, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a, head, a trip when, like, Chris Hemsworth turned up in, like, our grandparents' house. But, um, it was, it was a good trip. Um... I liked that they tied up what happened to the Asgardians as well, like, where they went. The idea of them being refugees on Earth is actually really interesting, and I'd like to read some fic about it. Yeah, how come all these refugees get to be settled in a nice area of Scotland? I mean, anyway? there's plenty of space now. Oh! Oh! oh. Zing! Oh, oh, snap! Sorry, I've been wanting to make that joke all oh, episode. Oh, no. <laughs> I think on I can note. retire now. <laughs> Yikes. It's been nice knowing you guys. Did, did we go too far? Never. Never. <laughs> Um, folks, you have been listening to It Is Not That Deep, mm. starring... We lost the apostrophe. Um, oh, we did. Did we? No. Huh? You did. Huh? Apparently. Sorry. Oh, no way. <laughs> what? It is, I don't, what? It is not that deep. That's what you called it. Oh. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm getting flustered now, so I'm, I'm going to turn over to Thomas to tell us about okay. social media. Social media. We are on Twitter at NotThatDeepCast. And if you want to talk to us about anything we've said this episode, we are always happy to share more of our opinions. God knows we have plenty of them sitting in here. Um, again, that's at NotThatDeepCast, or you can use the hashtag NotThatDeepCast to talk about the show. Thank you very much for listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever it is that you listen to us. Your continued support means a lot. Mwah. 
Bye-bye. Is that all to say? Bye. Bye. May the force be with you. Shit, wrong franchise. <laughs>